following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew 15? Matthew 15. I want to talk to you about what do you do when your prayers are delayed? What do you do? How many of you love it when God answers prayers immediately? Don't you love that? Do you love that? Yeah. Do you know your Regina? Regina put up her hand. She loves it when God answers prayers immediately. Hey, 21 days of prayer and fasting is so powerful. Like, let me tell you what happened during one of these 21-day periods when I was president of Alpha Crucis. So for a 10-year period from, two, from 2003 to 2013, one of my responsibilities was that I was president of our National Bible College used to be called Southern Cross College. It's now called Alpha Crucis College. And so in 2003, when I took over as president, we were facing some incredible financial challenges. Ian would know as Bible colleges, they face financial challenges. And so, uh, so what I did is that I called the whole student body to 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I said, listen, I'm going to go on a 21-day fast. We're going to pray for God to miraculously supply for us now, if you want to fast a day, you can fast a day. If you want to fast a meal, you can fast a meal. But I'm doing 21 days. And so we called the whole college 21 days of prayer and fasting for a financial breakthrough. At the end of the 21-day fast, we're not talking the day before or the day smack as the 21-day fast finished, I got a phone call. And it was from one of our lecturers. And says, um, says, Pastor John, I just got a phone call from a solicitor. And I said, what's, what's the phone call about? He says, the solicitor has just said that a little old lady died and she left the college in her will. I said, fantastic. That's awesome. That's wonderful. A little old lady? No, I, I mean, I wasn't. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And so, so I, I knew how the story went. And the story went that we, we would go and, and, and say, hey, listen, you know, the college is a great work. So if you leave in your will the residue, just the, the bits and pieces to the college, that will help us. And so that's what this little old lady did. She, she gave her house to her niece and her car to her nephew. And, and, you know, so she basically put all of the big stuff and gave them to her family. And whatever's left over, I give it to the college. And so normally, you know, it's a few hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars. But what ended up happening with this particular lady is that before she died, her boyfriend died. And her boyfriend left her in the world and left all of his, his estate to her. And so the residue wasn't a few hundred dollars. It was $750,000. So you can imagine my rejoicing in her promotion to glory. <laughs> Just in case you felt I was cold-hearted. She went to heaven, bless God. And, uh, and we got $750,000. How good is that? That's an answer to prayer. Answer to prayer. And I love to tell those stories. But 
What happens when your prayers get delayed? What happens when you don't get an immediate answer to prayer? What happens when you are just continually, continually asking? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I've got this passage of scripture that will give you three principles on what to do when your prayers are delayed. So, this is the story of a lady whose prayers were delayed. This is found in Matthew 15. This is what it says. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Let's just stop for a second and let me give you some background to this story. Jesus had just over three years of public ministry, maybe three and a half years of public ministry. And those, those three years are divided up into three different sections. The first year, according to William Scrobb, was the year of obscurity. The second year was the year of popularity. And the third year was the year of persecution. And this story happens right in the middle of Jesus' year of popularity. This is where the crowds just flocked about him. This is where just everybody wanted a miracle. Everybody, it wasn't anybody, nobody was quiet about the miracles. Everybody was blabbing about the miracles. And Jesus had difficulty as a public figure wherever he went. He was just thronged with people. And so what Jesus would do in his public ministry is that he would do tours. And so he'd do a tour of Galilee, he'd do a tour of, of uh, various places around the Galilee. And this was his northernmost tour. And so this, this event took place at the most northern tour that he ever did. This is about as north as Jesus got in his public ministry. And it's close to what we call today Syria. And so he's trying to get a bit of rest. And this lady... She found out that Jesus, the miracle worker, was in her town. She heard the stories of Jesus healing the sick. She heard the story of this man that was able to do miracles. And she needed a miracle. It wasn't for herself. It was for a little girl. Bible describes whatever she had as being demon-possessed. But, but I, I really don't know what that means in today's language. But one, one thing that I do know is that that poor little girl was suffering. And if there's anything that rips your heart out, is to see a little girl suffering. And so this mother goes to seek out the one who could help. And so she cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Then the Bible says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. And he answered and said, I have not been sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then this lady comes and she just worships him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said to her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Rather than getting offended, her response was, how many of you would get offended at a statement like that? How many of you would walk away in a half? How many would say, well, that's it. I've got nothing to do with this Jesus anymore. That's the way he preached me. Her attitude was, yes, Lord, whatever you say. 
But even, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And a daughter was healed from that very hour. What a great story. But what a great story also of resistance. What a great story that gives us some principles to work, to grab hold of on what happens when your prayers are delayed. Well, let me tell you three things to do. Number one, you hang on to the character of God. You've got to hang on to the character of God. See, see, she understood something about the character of God. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. That word mercy is such a powerful word. Why is it? Because mercy is unmerited favor. Mercy has more to do with the character of the giver than the character of the recipient. See, mercy is a gift that's given. Not something that you have to work for, something that you have to demand. It's something that's given out of generosity of heart. How many of you used to wrestle when you were kids? Yeah? Rocco, you used to wrestle when you were kids. How many of you wrestle now? Come on, Mitch. I know you guys, but I'm not there. Huh? Just prove who's the strongest. When, when, when kids wrestle, they, they, they want to put someone in a position where they've got to cry out mercy. Huh? It's just, that's it. That's what you want. You want someone to cry out mercy because that, that then lifts you to a place where you have power. And you're able to give mercy. And so the recipient feels humbled because they had to cry out mercy. Now, I've been told that there's a competition called UFC. How many of you, how many of you watch UFC? Some of you. And so, what they have in this, just, just to inform some of you that this is, a, a, this is more than World Championship Wrestling. How many of you used to watch World Championship Wrestling? It was the big thing when I was a little kid. World Championship Wrestling with Brute Bernard and Mario Milano. And that was all fake. I know that some of you, it's like saying Santa Claus is fake, that World Championship Wrestling is fake, but, but UFC isn't fake. UFC, they, they don't hurt people. And, and, and they've got what this thing is, it's called tap out. And so, and, and all the tap out is just tapping someone like that. And so as soon as you tap, you're actually crying out mercy. And so what some of these, and so that might put someone into a hole where, where they actually stop them breathing. They can pass out. I know this is savage and this is what I've been told, so I'm passing on the information to you. <laughs> Just passing the information on to you. And, uh, and, and so the deal is this, that, that if someone taps, then they lose and the other guy wins. But some of these guys would rather pass out than tap. And so, so then the ref's got to you know, just separate them and dive in and stop and stop it because they can see the guy's eyes are rolling in the back of their head and oh. And so they just dive in and stop. But all they've got to do is just tap and it's all over. So this is what I've discovered. I've discovered that it requires humility to ask for mercy. It requires humility 
And that's, see, they're the two things that are needed. One, you've got to have someone who has the power to give mercy. Then you've got to have the humility of someone who needs mercy. And it's a powerful thing to discover you have need. And it takes humility to admit that you have need. I remember this particular day. I was, I was 18 years of age. And when you are 18, you are indestructible. And so I was in Bible college at that time. And I went to uh, some of my friends. We, we did the trek. Our college was back in Katoomba. Did the trek from Katoomba to Manly to go swimming on this particular sunny day. And I was there at Manly swimming and just enjoying it. And this particular day, I, I thought, man, John, you are so strong. You are swimming so fast. So I was going out really, really fast. Then all of a sudden, this lifesaver, a rubber dinghy, comes up. He says, what are you doing out here? Don't you know you're in the middle of a wreck? I says, no. He says, get in the boat. I says, no, I'm cool. I'm enjoying the swim. So he offered help. But there's no way in the world that me, in my toughness, was going to accept it. I didn't realize that I was caught in the wreck until he took off. And when he took off... <laughs> Really? I'm trying to swim and I'm swimming and I thought, man, I was going really fast that way but pretty slow this way. Then I began to discover, oh man, I'm in trouble. Now, let me tell you, the story ends well because I'm here. Okay, so for those of you that were stressing out, what happens to that pastor? He survived, but only just. Okay, only just. I survived only just. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that I was too proud to get the help when the help was offered. Too proud. When I look around our community, I see so many people that need Jesus. They desperately need what he has. But they're just too proud to humble themselves. Well, not this lady. Her attitude was, I'm in need of mercy, and I'll cry out for mercy. I'll cry out, I don't care who says, just shut up, because the disciples were telling her, just send her away, Jesus. She's a pest. I need it for my daughter. And I am not going to be shut down. I'm not going to be made quiet. See, the other thing that she discovered was this, that God respects the cries for mercy. Man, she had more theology than most Christians that I know of. But let me tell you what I've discovered. I've discovered that when you read the Gospels, every time, every time that someone cried out for mercy, they got it from God. There's only one instance where someone cried out for mercy and they didn't get it. There's an off over here. We had it in the first service. There was an off. Really? Well, I'll talk about that in a little while, why this person didn't get it. But when you read the gospel, so many instances. How many remember the story of the two blind men crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped healing the two blind men. I really believe that Bartimaeus, when he heard the story of these two, these two men that cried out for mercy, sat on the side of the road in the city of Jericho. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How I many remember that story? They're trying to shut him down. Shut up, you idiot. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He kept crying out until Jesus stopped. What is that noise? Oh, there's some blind beggar that's asking for mercy. Someone's asking for mercy. There's this response. Jesus heals. 
Bartimaeus, the ten lepers. Jesus, have mercy on us. They all got healed. A father with an epileptic boy who used to throw himself into the fire. Jesus, have mercy on my boy. Jesus, have mercy. All incredible healings. And here's this woman from Syria. Jesus, have mercy. Jesus stops, has mercy. So, well, where's the one instance where Jesus didn't show mercy? Well, this is found in Luke chapter 16. What's this story about? Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Bible says there's a rich man and he fed sumptuously. Don't you love that adjective? That really paints the picture. Some of you will fare sumptuously after the service is finished. Some of you are fasting. And so the very thought of faring sumptuously now is torture. But uh, you will worship sumptuously. And so he's and both died. And Bible says that this man was ushered into Hades. And it's from Hades that he cried out for mercy. But none was to be found. Why is that? Because there is a season where mercy is freely available. And then there's a season when mercy is not available. Can I just say to you that right now you are living in the season where mercy is available? Don't knock it back. Don't knock it. Whatever you do, don't get into that season. Well, that's when you humble yourself. Man, it's too late then. That's when it's closing time, gentlemen. It's all over. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to cry out for mercy because now you'll be shown mercy. While there is breath in your lungs, while there is still air for you to breathe, that's when mercy is available. All you've got to do is ask for it. All you've got to do is humble yourself. All you've got to do is get rid of the pride. All you've got to do is just come to the giver and ask for it. That's the character of God. It's the day of mercy. So, so the first point is this. If your prayers are delayed, hang on to the character of God. Don't, don't, don't get you know, just discouraged that God hates you. Just don't even go there. God loves you. Second thing that this lady did was that she continued to worship. I find this incredibly powerful. Because even though she's asking for mercy, the Bible says that Jesus answered her not a word. So what happens is this. In the journey, there will be seasons when God is silent. And that's a frustrating... How many of you found seasons where God is silent? What a frustrating season that is. I love the season where God is talking, where God is just there and, man, it's all happening. Ah, Don't you love that? But there are seasons where God is silent. How many of you discovered a season where... Come on, be honest. How many of you discovered a season where God is silent? He said, but that's when God tells you that he hates you. No, no, God doesn't hate you. When God is taking you through a season when he's silent, he's just testing you. Anybody can follow God when everything's going perfect. But what about when things don't go perfect? Do you still love God? Because what this woman did when, when he was silent and the disciples were saying, send her away. And Jesus and the disciples are having a discussion. I know I was just sent to the lost house of Israel. And here's this Gentile, this, this lady that's not on the list. She's not on the invite list, but she's barged in. What's going on here? Yeah, send her away. Now let's see what she does. She just 
falls at his feet and starts worshipping. Can I tell you something? God will never send you away if you start worshipping. Worship gets the attention of God. You want the attention of God? Just worship. Just worship. And that's something that requires humility. See, worship is not about you, it's about Him. Worship is when you forget about yourself and focus on Him. She just, she just went and fell on His feet and just started worshipping Him, honouring Him. It wasn't about her, it wasn't about, well, who's looking at me? Oh man, I, I can remember the first time that I lifted my hands in worship. I honestly thought everybody was looking. I honestly thought everybody was telling me, hey, look at John, we got his little hands lifted up. How many of you feel like that sometimes? You know what? I looked around and nobody was looking. Nobody was interested in me. They were too busy worshipping God. And I thought, you know what? i got to stop looking at me and start looking at Him. If I want to lift up my hands and worship, that's awesome. Come on, if you get a clap, I'm going to do that. Forget about yourself. And just focus on Him. Because that's what true love is all about, is focusing on everything. Just forget about yourself. She just persisted in worship. When God's silent, just worship Him. Because I want to say to you, I want you to write this down. Just because He's silent doesn't mean He's saying no. Just because He's silent doesn't mean He's saying no. He's testing you. Just to see what you do. Job is a fascinating character in the Bible. Why is that? Because he was confronted with some pretty heavy duty stuff. The Bible says when, when, when all this heavy duty stuff hit him, he just falls in a heap. And rather than cursing God, he worships God. Rather than blaming God, he just worships. But he doesn't hear from God. It's like, man, I'm in the midst of this distress, and God, you're silent. I can't hear from you. I and, and what he has is he's got his friend, he's got his wife telling him, because God and God, he's got his friends telling him that all this disaster has happened because he's a filthy, rotten, miserable sinner. Isn't it amazing how people always want to put reason behind calamity? You know what I've discovered in life? I've discovered that if you're going to live in this world, stuff happens. But why? Is it because I was really bad? No, stuff happens. Well, it's because I'm a, I'm a worse sinner than the other people. No, stuff happens. And now God is seeing how you respond to the stuff that happens. Because that declares more about who you are than anything else. Anybody, anybody can be happy, happy, happy when everything's going perfect. Anybody can smile when the sun is shining, you've got money in the bank, you're healthy, your wife just adores you, your kids love you. But what about when your wife is at you and your kids hate you and there's no money in the bank and you just lost your job and your health has fallen over? What happens then? Because that's the real test. And life does that to you. He said, but if I'm a Christian, everything should go perfect. Show me where it says that in the Bible. Matter of fact, show me one Christian character that always had everything perfect. What I can show you are Christian characters where things fall over and then God is silent 
and they still keep worshipping. Who remember the story of Jesus on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even silence came to Jesus. And if silence can come to Jesus, silence can come to you. And what do you do? You just worship. You just draw near to God. You just begin to say what Job said, don't you slay me yet while I trust you. Because my worship of you is not dependent on how well things are going around me. My worship of you is dependent upon my understanding of your character and who you are. You are a good God. You are an eternal God. And I will worship. So what's the third thing you do? You just keep praying. You just keep praying. Come on, don't give up. She just keeps, she fell on these. Will you help me, Lord? Just fell on his feet. Would you help me? Worshipping and praying. Would you help me, Lord? 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 I, I, I really believe that every time we say prayer, we need to add the word persistent in front of it. Persistent prayer. Because the encouragement of the word of God is to persist in prayer. Persist, 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 persist. Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. I know that some of your translations says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. But the actual tense of the original writing says, Ask and keep on asking. Then in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus says, People ought to always pray and not lose heart. Why would he say that? Because it's so easy to lose heart when you pray and the prayer doesn't get answered. And so the admonition is, come on, keep on praying. Come on, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. But I've prayed once. We'll pray twice. But I've prayed twice. Pray three times. But, I, but how long should I pray? Until the answer comes. Just keep praying. Why? 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 Because faith is demonstrated in your persistence. Faith says, I'm just going to keep praying until the answer comes through because I know the answer comes through. I'm just going to keep being a pest. Isn't that a great way of looking at it? I'm just going to, because I love that, that parable in, in, in Luke 18 because Jesus is talking about this widow and this judge. And she needs a case heard and the judge is just ignoring her. And Jesus said, she became a pest. And so it was like the judge says, you were I'm going to answer your prayer just to get rid of you. Come on, you need to be something like that to God. Just say, God, say, I'm just going to answer your prayer just to stop me pestering. Come on, don't get discouraged. Because it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to quit. It's so easy on the brink of a miracle just to give up. Do you know what I see prayer like? I see prayer like chopping a big tree. You get your axe. And you just hit it. How many of you that ever do that sort of say, well, this is it, man. One hit, I'm one hit wonder. I'm going to hit that tree and that tree's going to come down with one hit. Well, if it's a little sapling and you're really strong, well, maybe. But what if it's a big tree? What if it's a big tree? You just know, man, I just felt a crunch. I felt that axe crunch. I felt it cut in. Man, I can feel it eating away. I'm just going to give it a few more of these hits. And you just, pow! You just keep hitting it. You keep hitting it. And when do you give up when that tree comes down? 
you know what fasting is? Fasting is getting that chainsaw. That's what fasting is. <laughs> hey, I've tried the axe. Let me get the chainsaw. Okay. exactly what this lady, she got to this point where, where Jesus is saying to her, he's testing her, but I didn't come for you, you're not on the list. I can't give the bread that's reserved for those on the list to those who's not reserved on the list. And her response is, I don't need the bread. All I need is a crumb from the table. Surely there's got to be just a little crumb for me. Just falling off the table because that's all I need. One crumb is all I need. That's enough for my miracle. And then Jesus responds with, Holy woman. All of a sudden, all the curtains got pushed apart. All of a sudden, the test was over. All of a sudden, what Jesus was trying to get out of her was revealed. And kaboom, the love was just evidence to her. What seemed like the silence of God, what seemed like a God that was separate and far away, all of a sudden became a God so close and so intimate with those words. Oh woman, oh woman, oh beautiful, oh lovely one, great is your faith. I just love, I just love how you persisted in this was what Jesus was saying. Daniel, come on. I just love the way that you've handled yourself in all this. Because that's the demonstration of your faith. I was testing you, but you passed the test. You persisted when others would have walked away. When others would have just slammed the door, got offended. And how many people do you know that get offended with God when their prayers don't get answered immediately? They just walk away in a hurry. I don't believe in all this God stuff. I don't believe in all this faith stuff. Then there is others that say, no, I'm slain, and yet when I trust him, I know the character of God. I know who he is. I know the God who starts something is the God who finishes it. I know that my God lives. And he's got my name inscribed on the palms of his hands. And that day is coming when the curtain will be moved away. And those words of love and compassion coming my way. Oh, woman, crazy faith. Be it done to you as you have to believe. The Bible says that instant, her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed. That instant, bang, something happened because mama persisted. Daughter got healed. Went home, found a little girl, totally free. Found this little girl that was severely oppressed, just anxious, and all of a sudden, money, something happened. What happened, sweetheart? That thing's lifted off me, that oppression's lifted off, that pain's lifted off. I'm free. What happened? Let me tell you what happened, sweetheart. Jesus healed you. 
persistent. There was, there was this fight. There was this persistence. There was this battle. But I loved you enough to persist. I was tempted to give up, but I didn't give up. I loved you enough to go to the end. People were abusing me. People were telling me to go home. People were ridiculing me. People were laughing at me. But I resisted because I loved you. I wanted to see the breakthrough for you, sweetheart. Let me thank you for persisting. Let me thank you for not giving up. Let me thank you for praying for the end. Come on, some of you are going to hear some of those prayers. The people that you persisted with. Because I want to say to you today that the God of breakthrough is His name. That's His name. He's the God of breakthrough. Whatever you're facing today is only temporary. It's only going to last for a season. It's coming through. Some of you have been praying for stuff for years. Maybe during this 21-day fast, you're going to get your breakthrough. Maybe during this 21-day fast, that which you've been praying for years is going to, is going to just be smashed. It's going to come your way. But I'm, I don't know when your answer is coming. All that I know is that your answer is coming. <laughs> I want to say that again so you get it in your spirit. I don't know when your answer is coming. All that I know is that your answer is coming. All that I know is that it's been ordered. All that I know is that it's on the delivery truck from heaven. You pray, God's heard. It's on the delivery truck. It's on its way. It's coming to your address. Just make sure, make sure that you keep praying until the delivery truck arrives with the miracle of God. It's packaged. It's ready. It's been paid for. It's coming your way. It's coming to your house. The miracle of God. Amen. 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 She got a miracle because she kept hanging on to the character of God. She kept worshiping and she kept praying. That's how you get your miracle. By keeping hanging on to the character of God. Keep worshiping. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 